Welcome to the Access VFX podcast, pursuing inclusion, diversity, awareness, and opportunity in VFX, animation, and games industries. Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, founder and director of Access VFX, bringing the visual effects, animation, and games industry together, working towards a shared goal to make our industry more diverse and inclusive by taking action rather than just talking about it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our first Access VFX Oceania chapter podcast, which we've been talking about for a while and are super excited to actually launch formally today. Um, firstly, before we started, we thought we would talk a little bit about why it is that we uh, called our chapter down south, Access VFX Oceania. Um, after a lot of discussion between us all, we're all based in Australia and New Zealand, um, there were lots of names discussed and there's usually a little bit of friction between Australia and New Zealand and we ended up with Oceania, which is the region of the world that consists of the, island of the islands of the Pacific Ocean and the seas around them. And it includes actually a whole lot of um, islands, including Australia and New Zealand, as well as places like Micronesia and Fiji and Solomon Islands and Tonga. Um, in Vanuatu. Um, I don't think at the moment that there are any visual effects companies in those small Pacific islands, but if there are, it would be great to have them join us, or maybe we could all move to a small Pacific island and open <laughs> a visual effects company there. So uh, with us today, we have um, most of our Oceania chapter board, and we thought we would start by just going through and introducing ourselves. Um, today, I would like to introduce Dora Morioli, uh, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself, Dora? Hey, everybody. Hello. My name is Dora. Uh, my pronouns are they, them. And uh, I'm a lead uh, pipeline engineer for uh, working for Weta Digital. It's been four years. Uh, I'm originally from Italy. And uh, yeah, I have uh, over 10 years of experience in uh, visual effects and animation pipeline, especially. Um, I'm a strong advocate for better diversity and inclusion in the computer graphic industry. So I want to participate uh, in access visual effects to bring my, my passion for uh, fighting for better quality and uh, especially for gender minorities, disabled people and uh, people with diverse sexual orientations. Uh, so here I am. <laughs> and we also have a Christy Grant. Uh, kia ora everybody. My name is Christy Grant. I'm a uh, director and founder and co-owner of um, Miramar Creative Limited and Lane Street Studios Limited. So our organisation works uh, to bridge the gap between academia and industry and uh, that pipeline in between. We, um, we have programmes that run for students from the age of 12 all the way through to tertiary and, and then into industry. Um, our, our biggest focus really is on the sustainability component that's required for our industry, both from an education and a physical structure point of view, um, hence the studio uh, capacity. Um, something that I'm really passionate about in terms of the DNI space, the diversity and inclusion, is, is the um, significant um, voice and benefit that I've seen it give to our young people within our programs that we're working with. Um, say with our high school students it's um it happens in such an organic way in terms of the stories that they tell but the benefit that it brings and the cohesion that it brings for our young people is is substantial so i want to make sure that in all of our organizations um, and all of our projects that we incorporate that same openness and inclusivity so that's something i'm very passionate about thank you 
Thanks, Christy. Amber, you're on. All right, so tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. Waikari tanawha rau, he pika, he tanifa, he pika, he tanifa. Ko a tainawi tuku waka, ko waikata tuku awa, ko taupari tuku monga, ko tainawi tuku iwi, ko te whereferi te tangata, ko Amber Māori tuku ingoa, no reira, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. So kia ora, thanks for having me, I'm Amber Māori. Um, as a Māori Indigenous woman uh, here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, it's very important for me to be a part of this conversation, to be able to help um, promote our rangatahi, our youth, um, uh, our Māori and Pacifica and minority youth into this space, into visual effects, into the film industry. And so a reason why I'm a part of this is that I want to make sure that we have a voice. We're big storytellers, so being a part of that storytelling process is really important. Um, and also it's important for me uh, to be able to ensure that there's a pathway, an opportunity for our youth to be able to get in and get involved. So uh, kia ora for having me a part of this conversation today, a kōrero, um, and it's really an absolute honour to be a part of um, what we're doing here for Oceana. So kia ora. Thanks Amber, that was so cool. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> Tim, good luck. <laughs> hey, thank you. Yeah, I'm going to follow up on that. Um, so hi, uh, my name's Tim Parsons and I work as a uh, Nukeflow a nuke workflow and technical specialist here for Foundry in Sydney, Australia. Um, I lead a team of customer support engineers from our Sydney office. And uh, the reason why I want to get involved in Access VFX is um, having both being a compositor and lecturer in the industry, I've seen firsthand a lot of the challenges that our students and up and coming artists kind of come into when they start in this industry. So um, as a community, I feel we can do like a lot more than what we're currently doing at the moment. Um, and I'm pretty excited to have the opportunity to make a genuine difference here with Access VFX. Um, oh yeah, and also another thing that excites me is uh, the mentorship program and being involved in the mentorship program would be great, especially for um, the community we have down here to be able to help the local community even further. Yeah. Thanks, also, Tim. Let's introduce Lara. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Lara Hopkins. I work at ILM as the Senior Manager of Talent Management. And I've worked for um, about oh, 25, 30 years now in animation and visual effects. Um, the diversity piece has been something that's always been lurking in the back of my mind. And for the longest time, I've kind of just accepted that our industry was lacked in diversity because it just was. I hadn't really thought about it. And then over the last, say, five to 10 years, and particularly around um, becoming a mother, I, I realized that there were lots of things that made the industry quite hard to work in, both as a parent and as a woman, and then gradually I've obviously become much more aware of other areas of diversity that's quite lacking. So because my role has always been around recruitment and talent management, I can see that there's things that I can do both within and now externally to my role. Um, Access VFX is, a, um, is something I've been watching for years and um, have known people being involved in it. And I'm so excited to include the Southern Hemisphere in this, it's a logical thing for us to do considering we're part of such a big global visual effects and animation community. Um, I'd say my, my particular passion or area of expertise is being a mum and being <laughs> and working in visual effects and animation and focusing on the gender piece, but I'm also extremely um, passionate about Indigenous representation um, here in Australia as well. So uh, that's me. So we'd like to now just go forward and introduce a few more of the people that are involved in the chapter. Dora? 
Yeah, I'll, I'll introduce Sandy Taylor. She is a co-lead co -lead of the chapter. Sandy Taylor is based in Wellington, New Zealand, and is Weta Digital's Head of Organizational Development. With 30 years of experience in the film and visual effects industry, working as a editor in production, in leadership, and more recently in people and culture, Sandy brings a wealth of personal experience and insight and a passionate commitment to building an industry that is welcome to everyone. And I'd like to introduce Mike Ring, who's successfully navigated a midlife career change to VFX and is working as a technical assistant at Rising Sun Pictures in Adelaide. Mike is interested in mental health, minority representation and gender diversity in the industry. I'll also introduce Rebecca. Rebecca Hand recently entered the industry and is currently working as a, an assistant technical director at Weta Digital. As someone who just started in the professional sphere, she is eager to provide a fresh perspective on the challenges faced, facing young people looking to be part of visual effects. Let's start with, the, with some questions. <laughs> and uh, so the first uh, topic we want to discuss is what does diversity and inclusion looks, look like in visual effects, animation and games in, in Oceania today? Uh, Lara and Christy, you want to speak about that? Let's, let's start with Christy. Um, sure, thank you. I think, um, as I mentioned, um, our organisation, we really work at the beginning of that um, education and engagement pipeline, which I think is absolutely vital for the future development of our sector and um, that obviously goes hand in hand with incorporating and including the wide range of talent that exists in, in, um, in, in our sector. So we, we see that in young people that it happens naturally. Um, you know, there's a story to be told and there is a, you know, a diverse range of voices to be heard and we, um, we, we try to incorporate that into everything we do. It just makes sense. and. Um, it, it, that's starting to make sense on a, on a broader scale in New Zealand, which is which is fantastic. Um, not only driven through um, international engagement, where it's very much um, even more you know even more commonplace, and that conversation is, is happening more and more. But I think it, it is starting to um, really be something that most organisations are incorporating into their policies, into their processes, and um, into their mana, and into their their uh, a way that they approach and and respect one another in an organisation. Because I think it's um, it's the way that our that our society is heading. It's the way that um, that we that we need to be. I think in order to understand and engage with each other a little bit more on an international basis. And and so I'm excited to see that becoming more and more commonplace. And I think um, and and not just not just a conversation, but you know real structures, as I say, and processes that are being implemented into a lot of organisations, which you know gives us a lot more momentum, which is fantastic. Absolutely. I think in general, um, you know, we were talking when we first started this chapter about what actually are the statistics in Australia and New Zealand, and we don't have um, exact statistics of what um, our diversity is like in our workplaces, but I think it's pretty fair to assume that it's pretty much the same as the rest of the world. I don't think we have any more or less, which is probably in terms of gender representation, representation, probably 60 to 70% male and 30 to 40% female, something like that. Um, and also the representation of men at senior levels and supervisor levels far outweighs the women. And women often then generally end up in production roles or support roles. 
So of that 60-40 split, the 40% who are women do generally, you know, tend to be in non-supervisor, non-creative director roles. And I think that's, for me, something that I would really love to try and um, help, to, help to change. And it's something that is not going to happen overnight because we need to actually get the people in at the early stages. We need to help them form their careers. We need to provide um, women with um, ways to navigate um, having children or having a career sort of uh, that might meander rather than go from step to step to step to step and also provide then hopefully um, more women in um, senior roles so that other women who are starting their journey actually can see that there's a place for them in those sort of senior roles if that's where they want to go. So I do think that um, the other part of the diversity um, piece in our uh, both of our countries is is you know the indigenous representation which is very low um, and then there's also sort of socioeconomic representation um, you know I think we probably all can see a similar type of person that ends up in visual effects and quite often it doesn't come from um, kids who can't afford to go to university, um, you know, I'm very keen to sort of look at the way we can get more people in from a wider range of, of places. Um, so I think it's, it's, you know, it's very inspiring to be involved in Access Free Effects who have done so much work so far in terms of working out the statistics and we can learn so much from what the other chapters have done to sort of help Australia and New Zealand in the same way start to address these things in their, in their companies. Absolutely. I think you've touched on a really good point there because I think a lot of the time being able to access, um, you know, that data and that actual information in terms of um, engagement, but also, you know, the positive effects that that, that has um, that, that has supported, I think, is really important. And you know, being a part of Access VFX and, and expanding that, that story a little bit wider into Oceania is, I think, is, is something that's really, really important. And also, it brings a little bit more weight to what we're doing, being involved in, a, in an organisation that's, that's already got that track record too. So that's very exciting. I agree. One thing we thought we would talk about, because it is the hot topic that we're all dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis, is how has the global pandemic affected our industry and here in Oceania, and I'd love I'd love for us to have a quick chat about that. Dora, you had some thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like uh, there have been many um, many effects of the pandemic that uh, the, the pandemic had on our industry. The main one for me is that uh, we went from an industry that was quite strict on security aspects, especially in working with clients like uh, Disney and Marvel, where they have a lot of requirements that we need to have a swipe card and cannot wear a hoodie and things like that. We went from yeah being almost impossible to work from home to in the matter of, in the matter of like two, three days, uh, 1,500 people moved to a home station and without almost no technical problems there uh, was a really good experience. And I feel like at least for, for a company like Weta, there was such a positive experience from, from the people working remotely, the um, improved life of actually the workers itself and also life of the company because now they're able to hire remotely which was impossible uh, until like a few months ago. Uh, so we have uh, people working from Canada, Europe, uh, that, uh, working for WET, that, that's incredible. Um, 
and I think uh, the other aspect that is a bit more negative in a way is that all the production has shut off. So uh, we are now currently need to find other ways to, to create work, which will be interesting more next year than, than this year. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure the industry can, can find ways to, to change it to change itself and uh, and evolve again like it always has done so maybe push towards animation uh, or, or visual effects in a different way than that has been before it's at the time where we're also desperate for content to help us through this hard time it's such an such a difficult time tim you've been working a lot with a lot of companies who are facing lots of challenges during remote working have you got some yeah, so a lot of the companies that um, I work with in the local region, obviously they've had to face quite a few kind of problems um, hitting that they've hit during this kind of time period. Um, but I suppose as a company um, founder itself, um, my team works remotely from the UK. Um, so it's a bit tricky to navigate the first few steps um, for our team. But because we had our own little bit of independence and tight collaboration between us already, we were very much able to kind of work together as a team really well. And it's kind of kept us strong and productive. So we've had a bit of a separate way of working here independently. But in regards to our customer base, yeah, I mean, um, both um, like at Japan, like our APAC area and China have also kind of been on the front foot with webinars and getting everything like that out there to our customers and being able to facilitate their needs as well. So, yeah, there has been a bit of an impact out here. Um, but I kind of personally think that um, within Australia and New Zealand anyway, we've been a bit less hit, um, fortunately, by COVID. Than the rest of the world so we're kind of um being able to get back on the front foot a lot quicker i think than everybody else in the world which has been pretty good um so you can kind of see like in south australia and new south wales production was still shooting um during covid like um stuff like Mortal combat and a couple of other things were being shot at the same time and um especially you've got like um a big animation focus in sydney in specific um so you've got like animal logic and flying bark who both very much are animation studios and not having to have to shoot footage and actually continue through COVID, I think has been really good for the um, Sydney area in particular. Yeah. yeah, it's a very good point. And also the, the point you raised, Tim, that actually with uh, everybody being uh, remote, you, that you have more possibility to do events that are uh, now accessible for everybody. So there's more accessibility to, uh, to podcasts or to um, webinars and, and courses and things that before were only... Uh, in person, like SIGGRAPH uh, and uh, conferences uh, of, of visual effects that uh, would cost so many thousands of dollars just to fly to, to a location. Now that you can just uh, attend from your computer at home, which is incredible. Thought a little bit too about how the remote working scenario, is it a positive thing or a negative thing for people with coming from diverse backgrounds? you could look at it both ways because obviously working from home there's some flexibility there that you gain um, when you've got other things to juggle but on the flip side of that too if you're coming from um, potentially a family that doesn't have good internet access or enough rooms that also is quite hard and it might exclude some people who come from socioeconomic backgrounds that don't lend themselves to being able to work from home and I also think for our junior members of, of, of the industry um, who haven't got, um, you know, strong mentorships 
in place. I think it's probably quite challenging to be, we've onboarded quite a few people in quite junior roles who are working from home and they're not getting that sort of um, unscheduled um, kind of help from the senior people around them to onboard them and to teach them and to sort of help them on their day. And I do worry about some isolation creeping in, particularly amongst teams that sort of aren't sitting together or haven't even met. So it's, it's an interesting challenge to try and keep teams working well together and make sure that everybody in the, in the team is, is actually looked after and feeling good. Yeah, to add to that, uh, I also feel like uh, now juniors are so much more, com there's so much more competition because uh, even if you're not local to New Zealand now, it doesn't matter because there's so much, ma ma many other artists that with more experience than they knew that they don't live in New Zealand that can now compete with you. So that's harder for a new, um, uh, new uh, starter uh, to visual effects to actually get the job right now if you don't have much much experience. Definitely kind of roll into a bit of unconscious bias too when you're selecting teams that, you know, if you've got the option to hire somebody in another country who's sort of identical, looks identical to you or to hire somebody who's diverse, who's local, who perhaps isn't as experienced, um, it is something that we all need to be mindful of, I think. Otherwise, you could really end up with a very lazy recruitment process really because it just is just too easy to find somebody to do it who's got all that experience absolutely uh to oh sorry christy you go yeah if i could if i could add to that because i think it's been very very interesting in terms of um the COVID has been a um a great leveler because everyone now is in the same situation as you touched on i think um you can have more um online interaction because that's what everybody's doing so i think that that's been really interesting for us, we've we've explored um, as much as possible ways for for remote business collaboration to continue, and obviously that um, very much is a focus focus through um, achieving that digitally. Um, so that that's been quite that's been quite interesting. I have to say, in terms of what I've noticed um, from an from an inclusion point of view, is that um, our team members who uh, are diverse in terms of which we haven't really touched on, but neurally. So in terms of um, um, ADHD or um, autism or whatnot, um, within that spectrum, uh, the team members I found have actually really thrived um, in an environment where they can work more more remotely and um, within their own environment at home. They've you know they've really really picked up and on that and have um, done extremely well and been extremely um, productive. Um, I've, I've found the, the team members who, um, you know, in terms of, especially around like our events planning and in that face-to-face -face type of engagement, they've struggled because obviously that aspect of um, our organisation and everybody's has completely come to a halt. But um, I've, I've, seen, I've seen an interesting way in that work has changed, but some really positive things, I, I think, overall is, um, uh, is, is, what, is what we've seen so far. That's really a yeah, good point, Christy. Thank you. Um, going back to families in visual effects, I was wondering what it's like for, for, for families, uh, people with families working in this industry, uh, especially maybe talking about the, the effect, effect of the pandemic. Tim, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so um, for me, um, I myself have got a toddler, two years old almost, uh, in a few weeks actually, so almost there. Um, but yeah, it's um, a bit of a different ball game to be honest. I mean, having to juggle your time between home and work when your work is at home is a very different kind of dynamic than jumping in on a train, public transport, 40 minutes, get to work, go to work. It's, 
it's hard to sometimes separate the two. Um, so there's a, there's a definite juggle involved there uh, and stuff like time zones as well. Um, so I deal with a UK company and um, so having time zones, kind of working with different time zones is very tricky. So kind of coming in and having to do maybe meetings at seven, eight, nine at night, having to put um, Evan to bed at the same time. It's a very kind of tricky kind of tricky kind of um, situation. And it's really very much about being honest, I think, with your boss and your colleagues about what's achievable too. So I'm very honest with my guys just saying, hey guys, okay, Evan decided that the, the blue color of his pants today, he's not what he wants and he's crying for an hour about it. I need to go. So, I mean, it's, it's very weird situations like that, but I mean, yeah, knowing kind of like knowing your limits as well is a big thing, especially from working from home. So knowing that, okay, right, I've got 10 meetings in this week. How am I going to divvy them up? I need to start to schedule things out a bit better. You become a bit more kind of like, yeah, not, not necessarily reliant on what needs to be done, but kind of like you work through things in a different kind of way. Um, and um, isolation itself, I suppose, uh, can be tricky when you're working from home and you've got to know your own work limits. I kind of emphasized that a bit before, but not being afraid to say no and just saying, Hey, okay, I've got work at home. I've got like my, my boy to worry about. I've got different things in my life outside of work and being able to say, Hey, actually I'm drawing the line here for a bit because I've got to get some stuff done. There's nothing wrong with that. And I suppose there's always this mantra as a dad, you know, that like, Oh, you've got to make sure you're on that kind of front foot, keeping being the breadwinner, making sure your family's okay. But that isn't also important to be able to think about yourself at the same time. So that's one of the reasons as well why I've kind of brought on myself into Access VFX is to think about that too. Like dads, dads can work in visual effects and be the full-time dad at the same time. It is possible. It's just very difficult, but it's possible. Tim, it's just so, I can't even say how lovely it is to hear a dad talking about that shared parenting responsibilities mm -hmm. because... Um, I think there's a real generational shift right mm. now about men feeling comfortable about saying, I'm a dad, I have stuff to do, I'm sharing this. Because for the longest time, sort of the home life, the, the, the kind of workload and the emotional and mental stress of looking after children quite often uh, were, were on the woman's shoulders. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, it was yeah. almost like um, it was assumed that there was no other responsibilities that men had. So mm -hmm. you could come to work and work for a hundred hours a week because you had someone at home looking after all the bits and bobs that you have to do when you've got children, whereas mm -hmm. a true sharing parenting is the way of the future. And the more men who think the way you're thinking, the more women can also then find it easier to work mm -hmm. as well because they're not doing it all on their own and it's not all on their sh shoulders and they're not exactly, making yeah. their own career sacrifices, which has happened for a lot of the time. It's very much a team effort here in my household. It's very much kind of like we'll kind of get to the start of the week and we'll go, okay, right. This is what our week looks like. My wife still works part-time. She works three days a week. And I know in the mornings I'll go drop off and we, we, we work it out and that's how you kind of work through it. I mean, it is a collaboration, like the same way you collaborate with your teams, like you're collaborating with your, with your family to be able to get things done and to be able to, at the end of the day, I kind of, um, my best analogy is rubber ball, glass ball. If you've ever heard the analogy before. So in my mind, um, work is a rubber ball where if you're juggling maybe five or six different balls, you've got your glass balls, which are work, uh, sorry, family, health, spirit, and these kind of aspects of your life. So juggling all your balls, if you drop your work ball, your work ball is going to bounce. Your work ball is always going to bounce back. It's always um, up and down, you know, it's just like a bad day at work bounces back up, better day tomorrow. But if you drop your glass ball, which is like your family and your health, it's going to shatter. It's going to break and you're not going to be able to repair that. So 
that's always in the back of my mind when I think of these kind of things is like rubber ball, glass ball, what's important? How do your priorities lie as you move through both your career, which you've worked hard at and your family life, which is also just as important. That's such a good analogy. I never heard it before. Yeah, no. It was from a CEO at, um, I heard a few years back, actually. It's from a CEO at at Coca-Cola, I think, a few years ago during a presentation to university. And I always just carry that in the back of my mind. I'm like, yeah, what is important to you? What's, how does it work in your mind? Yeah. And that applies for everybody in terms of their mental health and their exactly, ability yeah, to work yeah, yeah. as well. You know, it's family as well as, you know, if, if getting you through the day means that you have to do yoga every morning, you need to prioritise <laughs> that so you can be mm-hmm. your best at work. And, you know, a lot of people, um, I've sort of limped through early childhood years, my kids are now teenagers, which does enable me all of a sudden to sort of have a fresh look at a career and working full time has become a lot easier now than it was. But, you know, a lot of people have said to me, I used to be a producer and there's no accident that when I had my first child, I moved into talent management because I just couldn't think how on earth could I produce and and be a mum. I just couldn't imagine at all being able to do it. And, um, you know, if, if any of you have ever tried to hire a good senior producer who's been working in the industry for 25 or 30 years, it can be quite hard to find them because producers are usually women and often women have children and and often women find it very difficult to juggle that role and to do both things. So there is actually quite a lack of senior producers around in visual effects because a lot of them drop off in their 30s and 40s because of career, uh, trying to juggle career responsibilities. Um, So it it is a challenge and it is something I think at Access VFX it's great to talk about. It's great to talk about with other companies about how they can support their women through those periods so that when they're ready to come back they can come back and also to talk about flexibility for men and women if they have children and need to be able to sort of navigate those early years of sleepless nights but still want to keep their foot in the door because the minute you leave it does become very hard to come back in. I think you touched on something quite important there Lyra as well in regards to um, people being like uh, multi-skilled as well multi-talented um in their area so i mean if you're looking to recruit somebody looking to recruit somebody who's a parent right you can't juggle more more than like things and work and home and a toddler doing this and that i mean um parents do have a lot i think to offer to the visual effects industry uh stuff like patience obviously and you've obviously got things like dealing with situations on on the fly and things like that so i mean i've been in the point before where i've recruited a few people onto my team knowing kind of their backgrounds and if they've got families and stuff like that and if they're, if they're parents themselves, it lets me know that, okay, right, there's a certain level of kind of expertise and ability. I know that they're going to be able to deal with the situation head on. They're going to be able to take on these kind of different scenarios in their stride. And I think that's cool. So parents should never be discounted on anything from work. And I think that's a bit of a, something that needs to change within the industry here. I mean, obviously at a local level and also at a global level. One of the things just before we move on to the next topic that I've enjoyed the most about remote working is being in dailies and watching um, one of the young dads with their toddler screaming in the background about their blue pants not being right. (laughs) And and seeing a whole bunch, I mean, to be honest with you, probably 60 or 70 percent men go, oh, that's so nice. And it sort of almost enabled (laughs) men to embrace Mm. their fatherhood in such a positive way. And I think it reminded everybody and reminds everybody that people have lives outside of visual effects and animation and games. We all have stuff going on. And when the kids run in because they've got a broken finger, which we have had on one of our uh, meetings at Access VFX or a, a bad shift at McDonald's or whatever, or my dogs bark, 
you know, I, I am focused on work, but there's other stuff going on as well. And that's okay. And I can still function and everyone's very kind. It feels like everybody's being a lot kinder to everybody about that kind of thing, which I think is just lovely. Yeah. 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 One thing as well, I want to kind of throw in there if we, before we jump on to the next thing is kind of like, um, the idea of routine. So for me, routine is really important um, because having the having a routine throughout a day for both work and home um, gives a lot of flexibility when it comes to being able to um, navigate with your family and your work. What's going on that day? So, I mean, everybody who's had a everybody who's a newborn, like who's had newborn kids, definitely knows routine is key. Um, and I think, yeah if I give any advice to parents out there is um, get to a routine and stick to it because that's going to be the best way to keep yourself sane. And don't worry when it goes off the rails because yeah. it will. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> it's it actually will. quite yeah. useful stuff there for <laughs> visual effects projects. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So we really wanted to spend some time in this podcast talking about indigenous representation in Oceania and are their stories being told and are they represented in our companies? Amber, we'd love to hear from you about that. Um, I would say, well, if I speak on behalf of Aotearoa New Zealand, it's a big thing to do, but uh, we have emerging Māori, Pacifica, minority. Um, we have emerging artists that are coming through, but what it is is around, I, I want to say it's a little bit about normalising what a visual effects career is. So um, promoting that to parents, ensuring that they're aware that this is a viable career path, that we're using STEAM approaches. So we're looking at science, technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics. So I talk, uh, so I'm, I'm responsible for a lot of render and data um, for, I guess, that big facility in Wellington. And it's really important for me to be able to look both holistically at the artists, but also at those who are wanting to get into technology. And so I'll go out into schools to talk um, to Māori Pacifica youth to be like, this is actually a career path you can take. Uh, my hope is that we can encourage more to come through. We have got some wonderful uh, educational spaces. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, for me, it's around creating opportunity, showing that it's there and able to bring people through and be able to guide them through this journey. Because uh, it wouldn't be something we'd think about. Can you just give um, us a bit of an overview of the percentage of Maori people in New Zealand, just so that you've sort of yeah. described what the current situation is? So we did a consensus in 2018, so 16.5% of all uh, New Zealanders, or the people that were uh, censored in that, um, will identify as Māori. About 8%, I believe, are Pacifica. So it's not a, it is, it's a good chunk of, of our population, but what we're seeing is if, if I take, I kind of know who's in the companies around me and who are actually in visual effects, I probably could count them using this. So that's, that's quite, for me, disappointing. I would like to see more of us coming through into, especially the visual effects space. Uh, what I would like to also see is to, um, we've got a few courses that have set up specifically targeting Māori rangatahi, so that's youth. Uh, and that's where now I'm hoping we can start engaging as bigger visual effects companies, engaging more indigenous youth through that way, perhaps creating opportunities, mentorships, that's a major reason for me to be a part of Access VFX is opening up mentorships and how we can get um, youth rangatahi involved. So, yeah, so we, we don't have, I would say, 16% uh, Māori in visual effects, but I would like to see that represented as much as possible. Yeah. What do you think the blockers are for Indigenous representation in New Zealand? 
I think you touched on it earlier a little bit, a little bit of socioeconomic, um, uh, what you're getting offered at school, what is actually getting presented to you, how it's getting presented to you. So I, I talk about STEAM in the way where it's like, this is an opportunity we're pushing, which is fantastic, a lot of rangatahi into the sciences, but, but for some reason, visual effects isn't seen as a science or a, a capability space to be able to go into that as well. Um, so I would say it was education, um, it is opportunity. So when I go out into communities, I talk a lot, a lot around, um, you can use your creative mind as well as your technical. So um, I guess it's, and that's where I talked about normalizing it would mean creating this as an opportunity for a career path. If I can do it, you can do it too. I mean, I come from a traditional film background, so I actually come from onset. I went through into post-production and into visual effects. Um, so I've had a varied career, but when I was five years old wanting to be in film, I was that young and I wanted to do it, there was no career path for me to be able to get into it, nor was there actually the, uh, the career that I'm now doing didn't even exist. So um, I talk a lot around, you can make it what you want it to be. It's a bit more established now with visual effects, um, but I guess for me it's right. If you want to see the change, you kind of got to be the change as well. So. Representation is so important, Amber. It's so great that kids can look at you and have that inspiration to know that that's a career path for them, that they can follow how you've gone through your career. It's just amazing. And in Australia, it's really interesting because the Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander population is only 3.3% of the population. So it's really tiny. And I can count on no fingers in my career. I, I, I don't know for sure, but I, I have a strong suspicion that we probably have had very limited Indigenous involvement in animation, visual effects and um, games. Um, and, it, you know, it, it's, um, there's a, I think Access VFX hopefully will provide us with a lot of opportunity to talk to, to sort of specifically target Indigenous groups here to show them that this career is something that they, you know, there is a pathway for them and try and illustrate that as, as an idea when, as, as young as possible so that they can be five and thinking, I can do this. Um, so we can actually get that representation in there and provide some career pathways. Um, I guess Māori, for me, I see them as quite entrepreneurial spirits. So we've gone out and we've created our own um, uh, you know, animation studios, our own uh, educational programs. We've started up game companies. And that's how we're engaging our rangatahi youth, but I would love for them to be also engaged into the wider VFX community um, and uh, those AAA studios. So, yeah, it's just about how we get them into that space. Exciting times ahead. It's good to have this space to focus on Indigenous representation. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Kia ora. So we thought we might talk a little bit about our plans for the year um, at, in Access VFX in Oceania. Obviously, we have a bit of a challenge, as everybody does, that we can't all get together. And how amazing will it be if we're all in the same place at the same time at some point in the future? Um, but you know, obviously we would still like to do some, have some impact this year and swap our focus on to instead of meeting in pubs or parks, but meeting online and doing what we can do with the areas that are really accessible during um, the global pandemic. So Dora, would you like to talk a bit about our mentorship scheme, which I think is probably going to be one of the really important areas that we'll focus on this year establishing in our area? 
Absolutely, yes. <clears throat> like you mentioned, I think it's one of the most important access uh, aspects of access visual effects, uh, helping junior in artists from every background, especially people that come from a, a low social economical background, to enter the industry. And uh, the mentorship scheme is on a platform provided by the company Prospela, and has been uh, kindly funded by uh, sponsored by Foundry. And uh, it's a great opportunity uh, for uh, people to register both as mentors or as mentees. So it's very easy to sign up. Uh, you need to be uh, at least uh, 18 years old, but there's no age limit for signing up as a mentee. And uh, you need to be also in the UK, uh, Canada, U US, uh, Australia, or New Zealand. Uh, unfortunately, it's not global yet, but uh, you know maybe in the next year, it'd be awesome. And uh, so if you sign up as a mentee, you will get matched with a mentor that has the same similar um, background that, of what you want to achieve or vice versa. And you can also be as a men mentor, you can have uh, multiple mentees as much or as little as you want. Um, it's, uh, there's a Slack channel uh, set up for communication. So you, you the mentor can communicate with the mentee quite regularly or normally it's like one once or twice a week uh, but uh, this this communication can can be as short as long as as uh, people want so it could be half an hour a week a top depending on how many people uh, the mentor is also taking care of and it's a great opportunity to help people uh, say uh, reviewing their reels uh, giving advice on how it works in the industry, uh, real world problems or real real uh, issues that we, we experienced, and uh, how, how we tackle that. Or you know, if other you can be a mentee with with kids and uh, maybe give tips of how to to, to juggle kids and and, and work and things uh, I, I think is really important especially when we want to promote these for for our maori and pacifica youth uh and see that you know you can do this job as everybody else does and and also pro provide a yeah a role model for them to enter this um and uh yeah potentially um we would like to do some, uh, maybe Christian Amber can talk about outreach to schools. Why is it important to, to go to schools? What do you think? Um, I'll, I'll start if that's okay. Just, just on that, um, it, it's massively important. I think, um, I think a real point of difference with some of the programs that are being developed at the moment um, is, is their is ability to go uh, into the schools and 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 talk face to face. So it's it's about it's about um, support. And as I say, last year a lot of our programs we did we called them bubble programs because we we did them remotely. But that's that that that's still that support with a range of um, of stakeholders, I guess, involved with the students. So for example, what I mean by that is, so we we go and we talk to the students, but we also talk to the whānau and we talk to the teachers. So we talk to everybody who supports that little ecosystem around that student. So they've got, um, um, you know, a lot of resources around them. And so we want to, so we want to um, enlighten and share our knowledge, not with, not only with the students, but with everybody involved. And so we found that that's been really positive and, and some, some of the um, 
responses from that have been have been fantastic. So we've been running our programs now for seven years. Um, we still struggle, to be honest, sometimes with um, uh, a lot of a lot of traditional people in the in the sector. They they see our program as being a talent identification pipeline, and it's purely commercial. Sure, there's there's an aspect of that, but the real value and the reason that we get support and buy-in from industry and we get you know support from everybody involved in it, including the students, is because it is actually it's a well-being program. It's about identifying and it's and it's showcasing that voice as I, as I keep saying and that's the reason that it's continued but we yeah we still have to push back a lot um with people because they say well you know you're starting too early you know um these rangatahi are you know they're 10 years away from the industry what value is that to us but um I've been a real advocate over the years of pushing back and saying you know look look, look at the results of this and we've got some fantastic you know not only data but you know, more importantly, some really amazing stories about these kids and how their lives have been changed by having a positive project that everyone works on together. As we know, the screen sector is probably one of the most collaborative of the arts in terms of every different um, discipline that's involved in, in, in making a piece of screen content. So I'm pretty, I feel really strongly about that, as you can probably tell, about how important it is to go into the schools and get the kids on board, make them feel excited about it, but also really push the, the importance of this project um, from an ongoing well-being t point of view based on, you know, the success that we've actually seen. So I feel that's something that it, it takes a lot of resource and it takes a village um, for, for everybody to get behind it. But it's been the genesis of, of all of our programs. And to be honest, it really helps support the bigger picture when people see that we're genuinely invested in making sure that, that those, those diverse voices and that those stories are being told um, all the way through. So, yeah. And parents are key in this, aren't they? Yeah, massively so. And um, all of the kids that we see come through that do well um, have always got either a really supportive parent or a really supportive teacher. So that's why we go and we, you know, we, we, want, we want to convince everybody involved and see these examples so that um, they, you know, they're passionate about it. it it's, it's really difficult to feel that you've got a voice you know, in, in a situation where you don't have a lot of people around you supporting you. So um, that's, what, that's what we really try to focus on. Yeah, I think you touched on one really cool thing there, Christy, which was kind of um, with outreach, the ability to teach the teachers. I think that's super important um, because sometimes the teachers might not know what to teach. Right. So, for example, when I was lecturing uh, myself a few years ago, um, it was kind of very much getting out there and showing examples of how things work and kind of like the important things when necessarily the hard skills. I think maybe the teachers are emphasizing a bit too much these days on hard skills and knowing the tools of the trade. It's also about the soft skills. So um, what I always taught my students is the uh, hard skills are going to get you in the door, but the soft skills are going to keep you in there. Yeah. So being able to communicate and talk to people and being able to kind of like sit in a daily session and contribute, that's super important skills. Absolutely. And um, it should definitely be in more curriculum-based kind of stuff, like being able to teach people how things work and like be a person. Like you're working <laughs> yeah. in front of a machine eight or nine days or eight or nine hours a day. Like you need to be a person as well. Absolutely. So I think outreach definitely does that. Yeah, yeah sorry. I, I think so. And you're right. And it's um, yeah. we, we we definitely focus on those hard and soft skills, but we also focus on the fact that they're transferable too. We we don't want to be um, you know enabling or setting up any of our rangatahi to, to expect that they're going to go into the screen industry and, you know, and, and have a specific role. We, we really try to move them away from, okay, I'm going to be a director, I'm going to be a producer. It's like, well, what do you enjoy about 
what you're doing because it's actually got lots of um, applications in so many other industries. So we always try to focus on that transferable aspect and supporting them in their career pathways. So that, that's something that, yeah, we, we, and it works because I think that that's the most um, helpful and, um, and meaningful way. And so everyone does, you know, they, they, they tend to pick up on that and be like, yeah, that, that definitely works. And also I was just going to say quickly, um, I could talk about this all day, but um, with the teachers, they've, they've got a massive workload as it is, um, as you can probably relate to. So we try to make it as easy as possible for them. And we go through and we, we schedule everything and say, okay, this is, you know, for this term, we need to have this by this date. And we just try to make it as easy as possible. And, um, and yeah, and it's had some great results so far. So we're going yeah, to keep pushing that. Absolutely. That's, that's a really good, good um, uh, thank you for, for your words. I wanted to hear from Amber because I know you also done outreach in this period of uh, pandemic, and I wanted to hear what what uh, how was you how was it how did you do it? Um, I must. I'd also like just to reflect back on everything that's just been said. So I was born into a single parent family um, from a part of Tamaki Makoto, so that's Auckland, where I really wasn't raised with very much. Um, but for me, when I stand here in front of everyone, I say. The privilege I've had is my education. It has had the support of my whānau to believe in me. And when I said I wanted to get into film, um, it, was a, it was a legitimate thing that I really wanted to do. So I had the support of my mother and I had the support of um, some of the educational, my teachers that I had along the way. I also had the opportunity as well. I was raised overseas, so I did have a period of time where I, I entered a different educational system. And in that educational system, I actually was able to get mentored. I was mentored by industry people, so that was those who were in the film industry, and they came in and I got opportunities through that way. Um, so I always talk around like it's working hard. Once you get that foot in the door, you have to work incredibly hard to keep maintaining that. Um, I feel like I might have had to go 120% beyond um, what most people have been able to do. That's also because others come with privilege that they've been able to get into that space. But I never, um, I've never forgotten that. The privilege that I've had, which is my education and my family to get me to where I am. So just to talk a little bit about what I've been doing through lockdown, it's been a lot of this, it's uh, talking on a video. Uh, it's actually quite nice to be able to engage a little bit closer with others. So what might have been, I might have gone into a university and spoken to a couple of hundred people. Uh, what's nice in this space is that they tend to have 40. So I, you know, I can engage a little bit more, I can um, answer questions, I can talk about what my journey might have been or what I can perceive for themselves. I always talk around if you want to, uh, be in this industry, want to be in film, VFX or gaming, create. You know, there's YouTube, there's different platforms for you to be able to keep creating and sharing what you do. And that's a great form of experience, which then gives you um, more opportunities to put into your uh, showreel or into um, a way that you can just promote yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, so I've done a lot of um, more of these sorts of things. Video. And that's been okay. It's a bit different, um, uh, but it's been fun along the way as well. Learning kind like this. Yeah. <laughs> Which kind of segues nicely into another thing that we'll do this year with Access VFX as a chapter, which is um, doing online networking events. And as you said, Amber, you know, it's that it does provide actually some opportunities to potentially have more targeted audiences to create sort of Zoom meetings where we can put people into groups according to the area that they're interested in talking about and just showing 
um, showing people that there's ways into this industry that it's you know that it's open and there are there are people out there that have who've had a career path that they can look at and follow and learn from and be inspired from. So I think that's another thing as a group that we will hopefully do this year is to do some online networking and get people talking and discussing this sort of important area of our industry in terms of diversity and inclusion. Yeah, we could do um, also some webinars. Uh, Foundry has conducted us, so we will, as soon as we want, we can we can do that in schools and any any kind of school would be awesome. And I feel like we yeah, have no. so much to say, and mm. maybe another podcast would be. Fun. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think some podcasts would be good too. It's a really, I think podcasts have become such an important part of this sort of remote and you know looking for content area. So. Um, finding some people with great stories like yours, Amber, um, will be really great to do, to add into the already amazing amount of podcasts that Access VFX have already done. I mean, the, the website is just full of fantastic information for people that's really relevant um, for all of us. So, you know, and also one of the other things that we will be doing is reaching out to local companies to just talk to them about access VFX and what we're trying to achieve. Um, I think a big part of diversity and inclusion is just putting it on people's radars because it isn't on every company's radar and it's not for any reason apart from maybe hasn't really been thought about yet. I mean, I know that I'm guilty of that over the years, that I've just been focused on getting from A to B and getting a project resourced and crewed. And, you know, that the diversity thing has really become so much more of a focus recently, but it's easy to kind of work without thinking about this. So I think that's something that we'll be doing is talking to local companies involving as many people as we can in Access VFX and, um, and seeing what results that we can we can get out of that. Yeah, Tim, you wanted to, to say something? Yeah, I was just going to talk about um, like connections. I think making connections is very, I think, important, especially for like from the student perspective too. So if, if you're talking about average before, how we're getting to see um, obviously all the students and academies and stuff like that, I mean, making sure that we definitely like make those connections. I mean, those connections that they make at that point in time can definitely help them later on. And um, showing them as possible, I think, is something else. Um, that Amber was talking about and just being like, okay, right, it is possible to do this job. I mean, we can, we can go in there, we can show people how this actually works and get them involved. And then that's, that can help lead them back into um, the industry. So I think definitely uh, that was more coming off the back of the outreach stuff, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, definitely <laughs> no, communication sure. is key in, in all kind of very, very much all aspects of what we're doing, I think here in Access VFX. So yeah, it's a very good point. Why, why should we, why should people be excited about uh, launching Access Visual Effects in Oceania? That's an open <laughs> question. <Oops>. Anybody can <laughs> jump on this. <laughs> For me, it's um, a natural extension. We work in a global industry. Access VFX has done wonderful things in the Northern Hemisphere. We have a really great industry down here with an already diverse range of people that work within it. It can always be improved. And for me, it's a very natural extension to the Access VFX um, work that we roll out some um, Oceania-specific initiatives down here to keep all of our local companies looking at their diversity practices and increasing the diversity and providing people with support. Um, it's, really, it's, it's really exciting. 
Yeah, yeah for me, always... it's about mentorship. I think. I think that's what's the exciting thing about me is actually being the ability to have, um, like Prispella kind of giving us the facility to mentor other people within our area. I mean, for me, teaching and I mean, in my in my day to day job, I help people through their workflow problems or technical problems. And prior to that, I was teaching and having the ability to actually teach somebody in your local area and see a growth and actually help show somebody the light essentially is in my mind, super important. So I think definitely having the facility to do that is a big part of why um, Access VFX is going to really take off, I think here in Oceana. Yeah. I just wanted to add to that in terms of, I think it's a, um, it, it brings a, a much needed and necessary resource as well. Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot of people out there who are working on their future strategies at the moment. So it's a great, it's a great time to be able to incorporate that, as I say, in an organization with some integrity and, in history, um, we can we can count on that to not be creating the wheel, but also adding a specific flavour within our region uh, to it. So I think it's a fantastic resource for organisations to be able to access, which is which I think is on point. And I'll just um, add into that uh, the fact that there's the mentorship program, the opportunity for both Indigenous people, both here in Aotearoa, but also in Australia, to be able to be engaged, to be able to um, be help with a pathway into um, an established career. Um, I'll be super excited to see that. Um, that's what I'm anticipating seeing in the space and, and aligning a whole bunch of people in, in universities and schools in, uh, in, into, this, into this way as well. Um, and another thing for me is around, uh, I do a lot in the diversity inclusion space, so just adding that additional voice into this to be able to have somebody, as you said, Christy, it's um, the, the integrity of what they've done before. So we've seen what um, access effects have been able to do in the Northern Hemisphere, um, bringing it to the Southern Hemisphere means that we can, uh, I guess, collaborate across the world, as you say as well, Lara, we are a global community. We do migrate, and we're big migration uh, people uh, around the world. And so if we can help influence uh, a change in the industry, uh, I'm super excited about that. Awesome. Yeah. Sure. Sounds like we are bringing our own nuance to to the Access Visual Effects uh, family. We are adding intersectionality of uh, of indigenous and uh, our experience of working parents or uh, queer and uh, yeah, it's it's fantastic. I'm so excited for what we are going to do next. And uh, yeah, hopefully online, but maybe in the future. Uh, a bubble between our countries will actually work. Yeah. <laughs> we'll actually meet each other. So for everyone out there that's managed to listen to us all until the end, <laughs> please look at the Access VFX website. You can already sign up to be a mentor or a mentee. And uh, that is a really good place, a really good resource to learn a little bit more and watch this space. There'll be more coming out during the year. And it's been fun, everybody, having a chat. And putting so many of our conversations into you know a condensed space so um thank you very much everyone it's been great awesome there we go end of another access vfx podcast we really hope you enjoyed it to find out more about what we discussed, our mentoring program and events we're at, then head over to our website at www.accessvfx.org and follow us on social media. Big thank you for listening and until next time, bye.